So the apostles asked Jesus a question to start off our gospel. Well, it wasn't a question, it was a plea. Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith. I think that's a question I think that a lot of us may have asked at some point or another in our own lives. Lord, increase our faith. Lord, help me to believe that you really are here with me. Lord, help me to know that your presence is real. Think about maybe of the, the, um, the father whose son was possessed by a demon who, who tells Jesus, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. This cry from the heart to the Lord. Maybe it comes from a place like we heard in the first reading from the prophet Habakkuk. Um, he says things like, Lord, I, I cry for help, but you do not listen. I cry out to you, but you do not intervene. Why do I have to look at all this misery, all this sorrow, all this struggle? Lord, why aren't you doing anything about it? Why are you silent in the face of all this stuff? Like me personally, I know I've uttered many kind of cries like that in times of my life where I felt like the Lord had abandoned me. Where I, this, these moments of darkness, I don't know what decision I need to be making. And Lord, where are you? Why are you silent? Increase my faith. Help my unbelief. Times like in prayers in the seminary where I thought, Lord, I've given up all that. I've given up family and friends and career and everything up to follow you, and it seems like you're not doing anything. Where are you? Help me to see your presence. Help me to know that you're here. Because there's this sense in which, like, I know, at least on one level, that God is working, that God is present, that he's doing something. But we, I think we have these moments where the unbelief seems to overtake the belief. The doubt, the worry, the anxiety seems to overtake the faith. And so whether it's questioning what the Lord is calling, what vocation the Lord is calling us to in our own life, whether it's difficulties within our marriages, difficulties within our relationship with our kids, or our relationships with our parents, struggles at work or at school, whatever it may be. There's these times, these situations in our life where we cry out to the Lord and it just seems like he's silent. We don't know what to do, where to go. He doesn't seem like he's helping us. And it's these moments that prompt us to cry out, Lord, increase my faith. Help me to believe that you're present here in the midst of all of this. What I think the apostles are getting at when they ask the Lord, Lord, increase our faith. And how does Jesus respond to that? He says, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, the smallest of all the seeds in, in Jewish thought, if you had just the smallest amount of faith, you would say to a mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted in the sea. And for, for Jews, a mulberry tree was a particular kind of tree where they knew it had a very wide and a very deep root system, despite being, it wasn't the biggest tree, but its root system was very wide and very deep, which meant that you weren't uprooting a mulberry tree. So he's saying that on purpose to kind of, basically he's saying you would do the impossible. You would uproot this up, un, unuprootable tree, and then you would say to it, be planted in the sea. Obviously, you don't plant a tree in the sea, and it would do that uses kind of these jarring images to say, if you had just a little bit of faith, you would do the impossible. Because of that faith, the impossible could happen. So how do we get that kind of faith? How do we even get just that little bit of faith where we could really believe that we could do the impossible? How do we remind ourselves of the truth in the face of the doubt, in the face of the worry, in the face of the fear, that God is actually working, that God is real? Jesus gives us the answer to that, too, in the greatest gift that he gives to us. 
in my own moments of struggle, the answer, the only lasting answer, always came from one place. Jesus gives us this gift so that, he says, so that our faith may not fail. He gives us this gift that we call in the Mass the mystery of faith, we were going to say later on today. The Eucharist. This great gift of himself in the Eucharist, that's where the, the only lasting answer comes from. And it's so important that we understand what an incredible gift the Eucharist is, this mystery of our faith, that the church says it's the source and the summit of the entirety of the faith. It's the source. It's where, it's where all of our faith comes from. And it's the summit. The highest expression of our faith is found in the Eucharist. Father Mitch mentioned last week, talked about the, um, the research poll that came out and said that 70% of Catholics don't believe that the Eucharist is really the body and blood of Jesus, that it's a symbol. It's a piece of bread that represents something, but is not actually the presence of Jesus himself. And he talked about, in the, in, to combat that, the witnesses of the Eucharist. He talked about the Eucharistic miracles where the, the, the host actually changes into a piece of flesh, living cardiac tissue, as a sign of faith, a sign of the reality of what's actually happening. He talked about just the very existence of the priesthood of the church points to the reality of what the Eucharist is, how if the Eucharist is just a piece of bread, then I, what am I doing up here? What are we all doing here? If that's not Jesus, then all this is for nothing. We don't need a church. We don't need sacraments. We don't need any of this. We could just do this on our own. But the fact that there's, for thousands of years, men and women who have given their lives to this reality, both spiritually and physically to the point of death, for this reality of the Eucharist, points to that there's something more there. I want to look at what Jesus actually said and did that speaks to this reality. Because these witnesses all find their source ultimately in Jesus. He reveals the truth of what, of what this gift actually is, this gift of himself. Look at what he said in John chapter 6, where we get the bread of life discourse. If you haven't read John chapter 6, I wish we could read it right now, but it would, take, it would kind of take us off course. But John chapter 6 is the heart of where Jesus speaks about this reality of the Eucharist. And he's actually responding to the very same question the disciples are asking him today in the gospel. In John 6, the people are asking, Lord, what do we have to do to believe? How can we believe? And that word belief is the very same word for faith. They're asking for faith. And Jesus speaks in response to this desire for faith. And see, for the Jews, signs were very important. Signs were, were reminders and realities of God's presence with them. God works signs to reveal himself to the people. And one of the biggest signs for the people of Israel was the manna in the desert. The people were wandering for 40 years, and God gave them bread from heaven to sustain them so that they wouldn't perish in their time of exile. And there was a desire for this new manna, a new bread from heaven that would bring something greater. And Jesus said that I'm going to give you a new manna. I'm going to give you a new manna that's not just going to extend your life on this earth, but it's going to give you eternal life. It's going to give you eternal salvation. And he says that I am this bread from heaven. I am the bread come down from heaven to give you eternal life. And it just, the Jews kind of started to murmur. They say, well, who, who's this guy 
we know who his mom and dad are. How can he say that he's this bread that's come down from heaven? And Jesus, can, he calls him out on He says, stop murmuring. And he hammers it again that this is the truth. I am the bread of life. I am the living bread that's come to offer you sal- the salvation and the fulfillment that you're longing for. And this bread that I'm going to give you for the life of the world is my flesh. And when he says that, the Jews more or less freak out. Because they knew eating flesh, drinking blood, forbidden of the law. Step one, that made you unclean, that cut you off from the community. It's insane that someone would say that I'm giving you my flesh to eat that's going to offer you salvation. Listen how Jesus responds to that. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. My flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me. He who eats me will live because of me. How many more times can he say the same thing again and again and again and again? This is the, this is the reality of what he offers to us. And the people struggle with that. Many people leave him at that moment. It says a lot of people left him after he said that. And he doesn't say, wait, 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 I was just, that wasn't, that wasn't actually what I meant. The fact that he said it again and again and again and again, and the fact that he let the people go speaks to the reality of this gift that he's giving to us. And he goes back to that very same reality at the culmination of his entire mission on earth. The whole reason he came and became man to offer us salvation through that sacrifice on the cross at the Last Supper. He says, this is my body. This is my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. He tells Peter, do this so that your faith may not fail. He gives us this pledge, this real reality of his presence with us that continues through the years. He gives us this reality of his presence under the form of bread and wine as the answer to the plea for faith. Lord, increase our faith. If faith is more than just, it's not just an intellectual sin, faith is a real living relationship with Jesus, then faith can only come from one place. Faith has to come from Jesus Christ himself. It can't come from anywhere else because that's what faith is. It's this relationship. So he gives himself to us in the Eucharist. That's why we say the Eucharist is the source and summit, because it's Jesus. That's why it's the source of faith, because if faith is a relationship with him, it can only come from Jesus. That's why we genuflect when we come into the church. That's why we have the vestments and the, and the gold vessels and the music and the beauty of the liturgy. That's why we kneel down in adoration at the consecration as I elevate the host. Because it's Jesus. That's where true living faith comes from. It's not just this piece of bread that we pass out to everybody. It's Jesus, the source of faith. And that's where it comes from. It doesn't come from a homily. It doesn't come from a talk. It doesn't come from a reflection. It doesn't come from any man. All that stuff eventually passes away. You forget the homily. You forget the person. You forget the talk. All that passes away. The source of true living faith, the way that God speaks to us, is through through Jesus himself, through our communion with this mystery of the Eucharist. That's why all of this even exists. 
That's what brings us to Mass. Not a homily, not a talk, but the Eucharist. We're encountering the source of our faith, and he's encountering us in the reality and the concrete situations of our lives. That's what dispels the fear. Every time that I was struggling, it was in adoration. It was praying before the Blessed Sacrament that the Lord would speak to me in a way that lasts. Sure, I could talk to somebody, I could go re- you know, reach out to grasp for something else, all that would eventually fade away. Jesus is the only lasting source of faith. So if we desire that, we want to get concrete now. It's like we know the problem, we want the faith, we want to grow closer to the Lord, and he's given us the answer. We have like this battle plan, a kind of a minimum requirement of how do, how do we increase our faith? How do we put ourselves in a place to receive this gift that the Lord has given us? We're crying out, Lord, help my unbelief. This is what we do. Three things. Number one, Sunday Mass. We're obliged to do that. Y'all are all, first check off the box. If we're not connected to the Mass, this is the source of, in summit, this is the sacrifice that offers us salvation. By uniting ourselves to that, that's, where, that's our highest and our closest encounter with Jesus. The grace of the Mass is where the seeds of faith come from. The grace of the Mass is where our salvation comes from. And we're joined to that. Even if we're in a place where we're not able to receive communion, coming to Mass joins us to that sacrifice. The graces of the cross are renewed here every single Sunday and every day, and we participate in that through our prayer, through our, through our participation in this liturgy. Uniting ourselves to the Mass. Ten minutes of silence each day. Ten minutes of silent prayer. Ten minutes of focusing on that relationship with Jesus. If faith is a relationship with Jesus, yet I don't ever give time to that relationship, how can I ever hope for that relationship to to grow, to blossom, to develop? Like any other relationship, if I don't talk to a person, I'm not going to grow closer to them. Taking time every single day, ten minutes at least, we all have ten minutes to spare. Taking ten minutes of silence to talk to the Lord, to share our hearts with him and to allow his presence to be real just for a moment to remind ourselves of that. And once a week, extending that, an hour of Eucharistic adoration, an hour of coming in the presence of Jesus face to face in the Eucharist and allowing him to speak to us. Those three things change lives. Those three things put us in a place to receive the gift that Jesus desires to give us. And because we receive this gift, our hearts are transformed. Our lives are changed. God wants to give this incredible gift to each one of us. We have to put ourselves in a place to receive it, though. If only there was a place nearby where we could come and pray to Jesus whenever we wanted. 24 hours a day. Next week, there will be. Take advantage of that. It's such an incredible gift. Jesus' presence in the Eucharist, he reveals to us just how badly he wants to be with us. He's here. He's waiting all the time. He's calling. 
Let's put ourselves in a place to respond to that call. Put ourselves in a place to receive this gift that Jesus wants to give to us, himself in the Eucharist, which extends beyond, we receive him in this Mass today, and extends beyond that every day of our lives. The gift that defines our very existence. Let's put ourselves in a place to receive that gift.